and welcome to episode 134. This week I am joined by Chris. Hello. Hello. And Matt. Hello. So I thought we were doing a pause before we said hello because that's what Chris did. Right. Now I've got to cut this out as well as the pause. <laughs> How are you both doing? Uh, good, as long as I'm not looking at, at any football stuff. Oh, that's not great news for a football podcast, is it? Wow, you know, I'm here and that's more than can be said for some. Um, so, I suppose if we get straight into it, um, a quick roundup of, I think, I think you know, everybody's well aware of what happened, but unfortunately, a quick roundup of the Maidstone game. We are, spoiler alert, out of cut. Um, what did you guys make of Saturday's offering? Um, we created 18 million chances, missed them all. Housestead threw one in his own net. I mean, he either threw one in his own net or the striker kicked it out of his two hands. I happen to think the striker kicked it out of his two hands. Uh, but nobody made a fuss, so maybe it's just a ropey bit of video. And we are out of the cup, and that's the nature of straight knockout cup football. Yeah, we don't really want to dwell too much on it. I think it's a kick in the balls after having lost to them in the lead the previous week. But at the end of the season, no one is going to be that bothered about it as long as we do what we need to do for the rest of the season. Um, you know, attendance was a little bit down, but that's because it's a cup game and people actually have to pay if they've got a season ticket. So that's no surprise. So annoying, the meltdown ensued for the next five days. And then as we come into the weekend, people are starting looking forward again. Yeah, we, we're going to lose games. There's a small subset, a small, a small but aggravatingly large, a bit like Trump supporters or whatever. They're a very small number, but they're larger than you want them to be of people who apparently wanted us to win or expected us to win every single game this season. Oh, I'm going to win 7 6 0. Forgetting that actually that didn't happen in 1819 when we had a squad that was a thousand times better than the one we've got now and in a division that was a thousand times less good than it is now. So, you know, I, I don't know what people want. Yeah, we're, we're out of the cup. We were all going to go out of the cup eventually. Going out of the cup now, does it make a really that much difference if we lose to Maidstone in the third qualifying round, fourth qualifying, whatever it was, or... I don't know, Woking in the first round. I don't really think it makes that much of a difference. It's disappointing to lose a football match, but... Not unexpected. <laughs> yeah, not really, no. Um, yeah, we've done some... We've done some dumb, dumb shit to get out of the... Actually to get out of the tournament. Would I rather that actually we were probably much the more effective and better side and we knocked ourselves out in the tournament or would I rather actually we got completely outplayed for an hour and a half by Maidstone United who got 25 points in a division we got 50 points in last year and still went out of the cup option A please yeah I mean the only thing about the cup is that if you do get a decent draw it can be some money and then theoretically, it can be used to improve the squad. But newsflash listeners, I think we'll get onto this later. We don't know if that's likely to happen with the current ownership anyway. Um, yeah. So 
yeah, it's always annoying to lose a game, especially when the fan base feels at a low ebb generally. It's just kind of piling some more crap on top of the shit. This is a phrase that I'm trademarking very shortly. Um, but it is what it is, which is also a phrase I detest. Um, but again, if we end up getting promoted, no one's going to remember this. I mean, who, do you remember who we got knocked out of the cup against when we got to, you know, when we finished second in the National League? Because I don't. No, no, no one cares. No idea. Yeah. Um, I don't know who we went out the cup to in 1819. We won the title. I don't know who we went out in 2008. I don't. I should do. I think it's Crawley. We missed it on Man United game, didn't we, in the fifth round? But, like. Oh, actually, we lost to Crawley in that um, good season in the National League, too, because it was like 6 5. Oh, yes, we did. Yeah. What game? Well, that last three minutes of the pause has been completely wasted. <laughs> Me making a point and then disproving my own point. Fantastic. <laughs> Why did we provide we playing bloody Crawley Town? We had the Crawley Town awoken, didn't we, in the actual cup? So who's the two teams were actually allowed to play in the, in the actual cup itself, not the qualifiers? So that okay, that's that over. I mean, there's a positive, um, if you're after positives, and I know that some people are really struggling with the football at the minute. Um, so we should try and find them where we can. But there is potentially a fair argument that it, it no longer serves as a distraction. We're entering a period of the season notorious for bad weather for um you know games being called off all sorts of things it does mean that you can in, in spite of that focus all your efforts on the league rather than kind of being concerned about a backlog of fixtures and also then trying to fit in FA Cup fixtures and potential replays so I suppose maybe if you try really hard that's the positive slam that isn't even that positive that I'm trying to inject I I mean I you know, the next six weeks, I think we're playing Saturday, Tuesday fairly frequently, um, as we know, which again could be another thing that we talk about in the next 20 minutes or so. We don't have a big squad. Um, so do we want to risk people getting injured in, in, in a cup game? Um, and this all this stuff will apply to the trophy whenever that ridiculous competition starts. I don't remember. Um We've said from the beginning that the, the priority has to be the league. Um, we are, what, four points off the top? Could be worse. It has been worse. I mean, despite what people would have you believe, it has been worse than this. Um, I do get that, you know, it, people come to watch the football because it's a communal experience and you want it to be fun, sometimes punctuated by the game. <laughs> um, and you do hear for, for a lot of people, it's not fun anymore. And I don't think that's to do with the football. I think that's to do with the atmosphere around the club. Because we've been crap before, guys. <laughs> More often than not. <laughs> a bad team is not new for us. Yeah. Yeah, obviously you're entitled, right? It's it's just it's a bit of a low ebb football-wise, and that has coincided with things in a more broad social sense being quite difficult here and we're coming into bad weather and also it's just it's just kind of crap time for your football team to be a bit shit but the beauty of football is that with two games in four days coming up and if we win both of those we could fairly easily be top of the table oh. and you know, what what else you want <laughs> you can you can only be you know, or or at least within 
the worst I mean, look, we could lose both and be 14th and that wouldn't be ideal at all but I mean you're asking a professional team to win back-to-back football matches I don't think it's beyond the realms of possible it's not a long list of oh if this happens and then that happens and then if it, you know oh if we get to the third round of the cup and then if we draw Man United and then if it's away and then if we can get at, like this is not a long you know it's like working out next year's finances based on oh, well, all we got to do is win the lottery and then we'll be absolutely fine. It's I'm asking us to win two games. I'm effectively asking us to turn up for work. Yeah, and it's not even like you know at the end of the season or certainly at the end of last season, or oh, if we can just win this many games on the bounce, we'll be fine. And that while we all got caught up in the fun and the hope of it was completely unrealistic because we'd not really won that many games over the course of the whole season. This at the moment we have I know everyone is very downbeat with the football and I think is as, as Ballard said that we'll probably move on to that in a minute and it's possibly more to do with the way in which the club is being run and the on on pitch state of affairs. But we are winning games in instances here. So to suggest two wins on the bounce is not outlandish. We've done that already this season. It yeah. should be entirely possible. Yeah, you know, we're we're not playing it's not like we've got Man United and Man City in the next two games. We've got Worthing or somebody, Western Supermare and Welling. Somebody else. Welling. Welling. Beginning with W. So you no, know, these are not. No. Big sides in a big division. I suppose so, that's a nice, nice segue well, into these games. There, yeah, look at that. Um, so we've got Welling on Saturday. Um, do either of you know anything about Welling? The wings. I know nothing about Welling. They're just one of those teams that seem to be mentioned in dispatches when you're talking about crappy lower league teams. It sounds like a made-up place. It does. It's it's the AFC Narnia yeah. of the 2023-24 season. Um, Welling have played 11 games, which is the same as us, but unlike us, they have got nine points instead of 19. Um, how bad are they? They've got one point more than uh, Dover. So good luck to the crew who will be recording next week telling you all about a massive defeat to the hands of Welling. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> well done. Well done to Welling under inevitable four-one victory. Um, <laughs> look, they're, they're down at bottom. They got negative seven goal difference in eleven games. They've got nine points. Their recent results have been a mixed bag of fuck all. Really, they'd be oh no, they'd be Dartford in the uh, FA Cup. Drew with Eastbourne. Drew with Gosport Borough. Beat Gosport Borough in the cup in a replay, drew with Farnborough in the division and then lost 1-0 to Boring Wood uh, with a Tyrone Marsh goal in the 86th minute. Fact fans, there you go. All the best clubs lose 1-0 to Boring Wood. Yes, they do. Yeah. Do you know if we still hold the record for the biggest win over Boring Wood in their manager's managerial career we, when we beat them? Was it 4-0? Trophy? 0-0 at half-time. We beat yeah, that was the Rando one, wasn't it? Wasn't that the Adam Randall one? Um, oh, Could have been that kind of season. Yeah. I mean, that is a, a fascinating fact, Matthew, and I think our remaining listener is just ecstatic to hear that. <laughs> On the edge of his seat. Or her seat. Could be a her. It could be a her. 
All there, yeah, no, you're quite right. We don't like to assume. All are welcome in the umbrella of Talk United fandom. Absolutely, they are. Um, That sounds like a joke, but it's not. Please come along. Um, Yeah, so we've got Welling. Um, I don't... Really annoys me on um, one of the other Talk United-themed podcasts. Uh, Not the one that is not a Talk (laughs) United-themed podcast, the other one. Um, Where their presenters go, oh, I don't know anything about the team we're playing. It really aggravates me. It's like, guys, you're professional journalists. It's kind of your job to know things about the teams that... Yeah, we're supposed to be amateur. Because it's okay because we're not professional. No, yeah, exactly. But yeah. I mean, I don't know if you, you don't get paid. Huh. I'm getting paid. Wait, wait a minute. Hang about what? When did this come in? I get paid today. Um, yeah. They, I think last year, I think they're a little bit, they go through spells, I think, Welling, of being quite good. They were good the last time we were down in the division. They were one of those teams, I think, that were not far behind. Did they beat us at Plainmore? They did. Right. Um, where's Ben when you need him? Yeah, where is Ben when we need him? Um, I think they beat us at Plainmore. Uh, was it 1-0? I have a feeling that was right. It was quite a big game. Maybe they beat us. Um, and were they decent last year? Fairly sure they were decent last year. Now yeah, I think they were playoff challenging last season. Yeah, now they're now they're rubbish. I mean, fair, the same trip happened at Waterloo, but they looked dynamite last year. Well, that, that happens a lot at this level. They have a decent season, and then the players who can jump to professional, they do that, and the ones who can't just go to somewhere else in the division for a little bit, you know, 50 quid extra a week. Yeah, I, I've long wondered how much actual sort of squad building... If your list of players is restricted fairly significantly by geography... And you don't happen to be based somewhere good, like central London. Like the list of people that will play for your fairly small amateur club anyway is probably pretty limited. And then you have to limit it also by geography. It's like jobs that insist on people working from the office. It's like, okay, so you've got the entire talent pool of the UK, except you haven't. You've got the entire talent pool of everyone within a 20 mile radius of the random location you drop your office into in 1983 when your dad started the company like that's not going to give you the best chance of finding the best people for the job right um at sea also this level of football no one is moving miles and miles and miles to go and play for bath city they're just not for 50 quid a week or whatever it's just not going to happen so you're limited in that talent pool so down at this level i think it's less about sort of squad building for success and maybe a little bit more Occasionally, you randomly stumble across a group that works, and if you can keep it together for eighteen months or two years, maybe you'll get promoted, and then it will all break up and you'll start again. Right? Yeah, I mean, we we discussed offline and on Twitter and all the rest of it, like the whole idea. Like, we shouldn't be getting beaten by part-time players. Well, those part-time players are probably getting paid a hundred grand a year. Because they have a job that then allows them to play football for fun. And to a degree, that has a certain amount of freedom. And that's not to say that they're not good enough to play full-time football. It's just not lucrative enough lucrative enough to make it worthwhile. If we, Talking United, offered some striker who's playing for Welling. I say Welling because that's the only one I can think of right now. Like If we offered them 300 quid a week to play professional football, they'd, they'd laugh us out of the, out of, out of the meeting. 
because it's just not worthwhile to them to do it. So it's different when you're in the division above where everyone is pretty much everyone is the professional and the expectation is I'm going to be professional. I'll earn crap money for a year. Then I'll get a move to a league club or, you know, Chesterfield. That's fine. Huh. But at our level, that's, that's not the way the movement of players works. So I think, yes, the fact that we're losing to players, you know, losing to teams who don't train every day is galling, but that's not to say they're rubbish. You know, it's like, it's like, Goliath. Oh, we shouldn't be losing to this little dude. He only, he only brings his sling out once every three fucking months. No, David still has a pretty good sling. This is not a good metaphor. I should probably have worked on this before the podcast. You know, I've said before, I'll save you from a terrible metaphor. Like, Torby played badly enough to be in this position. We weren't plucked out of League Two and suddenly plopped in the National League South. It's incredibly disrespectful to assume that you can go up and just roll teams over because they're teams that you haven't heard of necessarily. Yeah. We're, that we're hard. <laughs> We've got you know, you've got when you play Newport County, there's video, there's scouting reports, then you can go and get them watched, and they will play the same way every week because they will have like coached identified patterns of play. And yeah, some of your players or staff will have worked with some of their players and staff. Like, right, what do we know about this guy? Oh, right, he always showing outside, he's useless on his left foot, or I don't know, it's obviously more technical than that, but you know, stuff like that. Whereas when you turn up and play Avely, they're like, right, okay, so he, he's a plasterer. The only thing I could find out about him is that he charges low, low rates. And that, that guy over there works in the dog and duck on Friday nights. But what do you know about these people? What videotape is there of how these guys play? How are they going to set up? What we were talking the other day online about like formations and stuff. You can't ask these blokes to be playing formations you know it, like, they haven't got set piece coaches and all oh, right okay so we're going to take we're going to send the twos and the nines and they're going to break and then there'll be a, a three hole and we'll send a number 12 in there and then the ball will go wide and then we'll make a third man run on the blind side of the number three like it's bollocks it's just blokes are just going to kind of run about a bit and kick the ball a bit and there's no tactics really. It's just sort of almost just have blokes on the pitch and hope. And you can't, there's no point in having Gary Johnson around or any other like genuinely professional manager doing deep research and working out counter offensive plans and stuff when it's 11 plasterers just kind of rushing around a bit, not really knowing what they're doing themselves. Right, which probably doesn't quite give enough credit to the talent that these some of these guys have. But you know what I mean? It's not. They're not coached in the way that professional teams are coached, um, and I, I think that's fine. You know, the the ability they have will be what sees them through most of the time. It's not often you come up against a part time team and you think, "Wow, they're really well coached." Right? Um, I think when you're a full time team. The thing that you can absolutely not be behind in is fitness. If your job is to be a professional footballer, you should be getting to the 70th, 75th minute of a game against these guys who've had a job all week and have probably done actual work. You know, you should be wearing them over in the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, which is what we saw in our previous appearance in this division. That hasn't really happened that much here. 
Um, in part, I think because we've only got seven players, <laughs> yeah. um, and they're having to play every single minute of every single game because we don't have any depth. Also, because we find ourselves behind in games too often. It's easy to, or it's easier to come on strong in the late stages of the game if it's nil-nil. But if you've given that team something to desperately hold on to by letting in a comedy goal, it's really hard to break them down because they'll pack that defence every single time. And yes, we saw earlier on in the season that we were somehow finding a way of winning games. But we're playing better now than we were then. The results just aren't going our way so far. So I, I do think it will turn around. I think there is more than enough valid criticism of what the manager has been doing. You know, I've been very Johnson in, and I think the fact that we keep losing games and we, you know, don't find ways to make the team stronger. Again, we're go- we're going to get on championship very soon, but at some point the bucks does stop with with Gary Johnson, especially when we're not being given clarity on what's happening with certain players. Is Dawson's leg ever going to grow back? Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Has Asa Hall been? Yeah, is Asa Hall being allowed out of his out of his padded cell anytime soon? Because you know it's, it's these are the players who helped us have a little bit of hope towards the end of last season, and they've been unsighted. Um, the budgetary concerns are valid, and I you know again I would say if our budget was a concern, maybe we shouldn't be throwing money at people who are 37, 36 years of age, and we know probably won't play very much on artificial pitches or have a record of injuries. Um, and, you know, so I think there is absolutely valid criticism to be made of the manager, but he's not far enough behind that it's irredeemable. Exactly, not far. I mean, we're four points from the top of the division and we've, we've scored a comparable number of goals to those around us and we've conceded a comparable number of goals to those around us. We've from a broadly similar number of goals for and against, we picked up a broadly similar number of points to the other teams in and around the top of the division. You can't win the title, cliche time, you can't win the title in October, but you can lose it. Haven't Waterlooville are not winning the title. They're already 18 points behind Yeovil. They're not picking up six wins even over the course of the next 35 games or whatever it is on Yeovil, they cannot win the title. Right. Now, their season, in terms of being champions, is over and done with until July or August of next year. We, on the other hand, are consecutive wins away from potentially being top. And that, at the same time, will not win us the title. You only have to go back three years to see us Get what did we get from our first eleven games in that year? Less than something like ten wins and a loss or something. You know, we had thirty points from thirty-three. We didn't not only did we not win a title, we didn't go up. We got fucking nowhere. Right. The year the year we went up under Buckle, the year we went up under Johnson, we had fewer points than we've got now after this number of games. It's not panic stations. It's panic stations if you've expected us to win every game and, oh, we're a professional team in an amateur division, if you for some reason forgot what happened last time we win this division. But, like, it's fine. We'll probably be absolutely okay. This is, a, this is something that kind of amuses me because we get very, as fans, we can get very focused on that first 
10 game period of the season and managers have suggested before as well we need to give them that 10 games for them to bed in and all the rest of it and I mean no what's going on at the club is is not great but it is a separate issue um this isn't the worst 10 game start or even start overall that we've had to a season so far um even in my time as a talkie fan which is considerably less than than most of our listeners and both of you do um it's it's difficult because i know that some people have some really high expectations but it is completely unrealistic to think that we will could should roll over other teams um you've got to remember that uh, i can't remember who said it on a previous podcast but for a lot of these teams games against torquay might be the biggest game of their history they're turning up wanting to do us over but not wanting to do us over in you know the style of Wrexham a season or two ago where they were turning up and winning 6-0 or whatever in right we'll pinch a goal and we'll stick every player behind the ball and we'll hold on to it until 90 minutes left. There's, it's not thrilling football that they're after necessarily but a lot of them are after talking as a scout and it's you're just not going to stop that um uh, you know and we've had separate conversations as well lots of people think that, that whilst johnson has a portion of the blame some people think that he's kind of forgotten how to manage that pete johnson's forgotten how to recruit um that you know we're in a real mess because apparently both of them have been in some kind of terrible accident where they bashed their heads and forgotten literally everything they've ever known throughout their footballing career and that probably isn't true either which kind of leads us to believe it has to be the finances or someone else at play so, yeah something's good can't be it can't be johnson and johnson like it just it just can't be a family company or not it it can't be the you know yeah fine the way we line up and the way we do occasional things and whatever else, the getting completely outplayed in games, worthy, for example, 3-0 at home, they turned up, they were the better team for an hour and a half and we got creamed and that's fine. That's Johnson's fault. But it was Johnny James who pointed out, like, when you've got individual players making individual errors that have such huge consequences yeah. in terms of goals conceded, what do you want Johnson to do about that? Johnson did not spend his week fortnight ago saying to Ross Marshall right Donald's gonna I think it's Donald's gonna take a rubbish throw he's gonna criminally underthrow it back to the goalkeeper mm. you're then gonna have a swipe at it with your left foot get nowhere near getting it back to house to himself and then for some bizarre reason instead of simply clearing the ball at the second attempt you're gonna haul the striker down when he's in the penalty area instead of kicking him over before he gets in the penalty area you're gonna give you up a penalty and get yourself sent off like that wasn't the game plan that wasn't Aldrich's cunning plan the week leading up to the game. Same as it wasn't for the FA Cup tie. Absolutely nobody said, right, we're going to let them have basically one shot in the first 80 minutes, and it's going to be a three-mile-an-hour dribbler across the box that any two-year-old could throw their cap on. And what I want you pair to do, Donald and I think involved again, and the house did, is stand there and oh after you Claude and oh no please you first Lord Mayor and like fucking juggle and then get the ball boot in the back of the net and suddenly you're a goal down. 
that was nobody's game plan. No. And the same way that it wasn't Maidstone's game plan to go, right, lads, we're going to give them 20 guilt-edge chances, pray to Allah that they miss them all, and then hope like hell that their goalie went to clown college and slings one in his own net and we'll just kind of hope to hold on from there. Nobody's game plan from either side went the way that either of those games went, and yet we've been on the wrong side of both of them. And it's the same with the recruitment. Pete Johnson found Armani Little and Connor Lemon Havens and Jake Andrews, talent-wise, and Joe Lewis and Adam Randell and Nico Lawrence and probably 50 other players that I'm just completely forgetting about. All right, you know, Sinclair Armstrong, okay, fine. <clears throat> For every one of those, there was a, maybe three quarters of a Fader Hunzi or Rob Street or any of those. Ricky Aguiar. You get hits and misses. Man United get hits and misses. You know, what do you want? There are players that turn at that. Jordan Ebay or Ibay or however you say it. He was at he was Liverpool's main man for 10 years or what have you. And he's now at Ebbsfleet. Right. So, you know, hit, miss or maybe. Sometimes players don't work out. But it's kind of no surprise that we had rubbish low knees all last season until it became desperate times when obviously there was a, a shift in approach. There must have been a loosening of the purse strings. Must have been. Because you don't get 10 rubbish low knees in a row. You know, I'm thinking of that guy who came on for like half a game. Halifax away? He didn't even come on for half a game. He subbed on, a, I think, a half time. He pulled out of one challenge, injured his leg about five minutes later, and was never seen again. Hmm. Like, you don't get three quarters of a season of those. And then all of a sudden, you find Nico Lawrence and Frankie Noob and Collins and Stobbs and guys of that quality, Dawson, blokes of that quality. There was a shift in. There was a financial something. injection of some sort, yes. Yeah. The only thing that I can assume that it must have been. Was money because that's I don't know what do I know about running a football club? But it, the only thing I can think therefore is it has to have been Edward Osborne, one of them going in. All right, here's Gary, off you go. Yeah, and Nuble one especially is interesting because he was on his way to Yeovil, and you listen to Cooper, he said no, he was on the way to us. He got a better offer from Torquay. Um, which conversely then probably means that we didn't make him a very good offer to even. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, and, and I think probably now is a good time to talk about some of the ownership stuff because where in the world is Clark Osborne? Wow. Um, I get that. Oh, no. We've seen some very public facing owners. And they can also be, and I don't know what the scientific word is, but I'm going to go with bellend. Um, they can be terrible people. And they can be, seem to be actively working against your club. The guy at Yeovil, I don't understand how he doesn't get punched. Um, or maybe he does. I'm not advocating the violence today. Um, but Clark Osborne, since he's bought the club, he's made, what, two pronouncements to the local press? We've had no fan forum, which was promised day one. Um, he's put money in. You know, you, you look at the accounts, I think we're more than six million quid in hock to him. So you can't say he hasn't supported the club financially. 
but it's the lack of transparency and the lack of plan. I mean, we had a five-year plan six years ago. Um, I don't know that you've less than six years ago, but that you know, doesn't really work for the hyperbole. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know where he is, and I know the trust are trying to get him to commit to a fans form or at least an interview or some sort of statement because the club has been in decline first before he came along. He came along, he picked up the club very cheaply from afar. It seemed like he got one over on the previous owners with the loan he extended with the condition that if it went tits up, he would take control of the club. So he basically bought the club for nothing. Um, I think we all know what the end game is for him. Um, and I think had the club been doing better, had it got back to the league as the plan had was supposed to have been, that end game of making money from development might have become more realistic. But we're further away from that now than we ever have been. Yeah. And it's still silence. Yeah. I, I don't, I, what, what annoys me is less Clark Osborne. And more George Edwards and Mel Heyman and whatever the other board member is called. Because they go every week. Like Osborne, you don't see. Fine. He is the silent, silent partner. Whatever. I can cope with that. You, you don't hear from lots of them. You know, the the actual owners, I'm thinking further up the pyramid. I mean, like the owners often are divorced from the thing. You didn't hear a peep out of Roman Abramovich. You don't hear anything from that Todd Bowley that owns Chelsea. You don't actually hear from a lot of owners, but what they have is chief executives. You do hear from. You get emailed because of, of where I live and the geography that I have. I get emails from Manchester United, and they, you know, this the ND Richard, whatever he's called. I don't hear from Avran Glazer, of course I don't. But you get update emails from the chief exec and, and various other people, right? We do it. It's very corporate because, of course, it is. it's a multi-billion dollar business. Okay, fine, whatever. But at least you get something. You do. I, I don't, I see George Edwards every game I go to. Now, for historical reasons, he conspicuously ignores me, um, which is absolutely fine. But, like, Dave Thomas is there. And Guy Henderson is there, and Richard, whatever he's called, is there. And like, go, say something, man. Open your mouth. Talk to people. Engage with the fact that me and Paul Bastard and 20 other people, massive Ben and that, who were stood waiting at the team coach. Fear comes and says hi. The previous board used to come and say hi. I used to struggle to get. Alex Rowe to leave me alone from time <laughs> to time. You know, it, uh, I, I adore Alex Rowe. He's one of my favourite people in the entire world. And I would talk to him until the couch came home. But like, he would talk to people. And he and I used to, years ago, obviously, but he and I would discuss transfer strategy. Not any great depth, obviously, because apart from anything else, it's a one way conversation. Because as I may have said before, the fuck do I know? But like, Exciting players, the names I've heard of. Be like, oh, what about this guy? Oh, believe me, we're he's well on our radar and whatever else. I I genuinely don't think I could get George Edwards to tell me, give me the time of day. I legitimately don't, and that's really disappointing. 
yeah, that's it. Like it's a portrait, and uh, sometimes the queue is round round the corner, up the road by where the photo arts. Who is it that comes and opens the door and starts waving people in? Yeah. Is it it's... some anonymous individual? No, it's the friggin' owner or the chair yeah, or whatever. Chief exec or whatever he is. Yeah, it could be a nicer man. And people know who he is and he's friendly and he's welcoming. And it makes you want to go and spend your money at his club. Yeah. I'm not it... saying that, you know, Torquay have to suddenly make pounds with all of Torquay's fans, but it, it bleeds. George Ed, uh, George, ooh, Clark Osborne being anonymous bleeds into every facet of the football club, including like the management. So when, and I'm going to mention it, I know we've been moving away from it a little bit, but I'm going to mention it on behalf of some other people who aren't angry about it, rightfully so. Comments made by Johnson earlier in the week about the right types of fan. That isn't appropriate because any paying fan, any fan that follows Torquay, be it on the radio, be it in person, it doesn't matter if you follow one game a year or every game a year, you are a fan and you are not wrong in any facet of your fanship. But that stuff, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't happen with a competent owner at the helm because the vibe around the club is completely different. And even if a manager says something that is maybe hand-fisted, a PR team of a well-run club never let that see the light of day because they care about the image that it gives to the rest of the club. Yeah. It's, it's indicative of the lack of care that, and I'll say the ownership as in everyone involved with running of Talking United Football Club, I don't specifically mean Osborne, it's the lack of care that they demonstrate is what creates the environment that we have now where people are looking around thinking, are we going to have a club in a year's time? I hate the manager because he doesn't tell us what's happening with the injuries. Osborne is absent without leave. It doesn't take, and, and you know, like a lot of people, I think we wouldn't it be cool if a bunch of us won the Euro Millions and we could buy the club and we have those conversations. It doesn't take much, doesn't really take any money to get the fans on side. And I think it's short-sighted of any ownership regime to be as blatantly uncaring as they have been these past few years. Because if they had had regular fans forms and if they'd said, look, we're trying to get players in, we want to be in this position. We can for whatever reason. Then the fans will give you more latitude because they feel seen. They feel trusted and valued. And I admit that, you know, everyone knows that football clubs aren't the same as most businesses because it's almost a captive audience. So that makes it even more imperative that you treat those customers with respect because you're not getting, you're not converting a bunch of City fans to be Talk United supporters. So you've got a limited number of people who could possibly you have a it's a small addressable market you see i work in marketing right pissing those people off just means that you're going to make less money you don't have anywhere else to get people from and fans of this club for a variety of reasons the away support is tremendous so we have a lot of fans myself included who don't go to the home games as much as they would like that's just a function of geography and life and, you know, wanting to go somewhere where they drive on the wrong side of the road. So it's imperative that you keep those fans engaged because then when you do have a big game or when you do have something that you're trying to sell them or you do have merchandise that you want them to buy, they're invested. And right now, a large part of the fan base 
is not invested. Now I know, you know, I've joked before that um a lot of fans of this club are they moan. You know, we know that Charlie and John talk about that a lot and they're not a talkie podcast. And to a degree that's that's fair. And you know, you're never gonna be able to please every single person, but it shouldn't be this hard to make people feel valued. Um and it a new owner, and I I don't know if that's likely to happen given the, the debt that we're in. A new owner could come in and they could spend no money beyond painting certain parts of the ground and saying, please come to watch Talker United. We want it to be the valuable place for you. And you would put another 500 people on the gate straight away. In a previous time under a previous regime, I was part of organising with a little group of us that um, the much missed, not dead, it just doesn't work at the club anymore, um, Andy Candy didn't uh sorry put together and um as part of my sort of relationship with andy we arranged for the toilets on the pop side to be uh sort of completely redone to a degree um by students from south devon college on a on one of their technical courses it was mutually beneficial the club got paid virtually nothing for the toilets to be refurbed and the students got sort of quite a lot of practical experience and benefit from working with, and there you go, that's just two of you in the community. That took me, not the world's most capable person, about an afternoon to arrange. I It required me to send four or five emails. I just happened to have the right sort of interpersonal relationships with the people that I needed to know. But it sorted, fine, didn't, didn't take long, didn't cost anybody anything, and it was there. What would, uh, chairman's notes or chief executive notes in the program cost nothing, literally nothing. We get the program printed anyway. Doesn't matter whether we're printing two pages or a thousand pages, the cost will be probably the same. What would twice yearly fans forums, one in January, one in the summer, cost? Literally nothing. What would a few words exchanged from Edwards or Hayman or any of the others? after the game when they see me and Paul and Ben and various others waiting for the team coach. What would that cost? Literally nothing. It's not pounds and pence, this. Mm-hmm. And it is the same. I've, I've volunteered before. I've made, under the, under the previous administration, I have made arrangements to go and paint LR um, AFC Wimbledon. The walls on the pop side between the the metal supports for the roof, paint them alternately blue and yellow and put TUFC on them and get get bits of it sort of street arted, graffiti is what they used to call it, but professionally sort of street arted. It it will cost I, I was even going to fund it to be honest. I was quite happy to pay the few hundred quid at B and Q for a jet wash and a load of masonry paint. So I don't care to a degree, like it's not neither here nor there it's a small amount of money no i'm not doing that for osborne you can pay for his own stadium renovations but like that kind of thing for the grand total of a few hundred quid and a few minutes a week you could completely transform the way that the fan base feels about the ownership the hierarchy the ground the club and all of a sudden going out of the cut to maidstone matters slightly less for me, it's it's 
not even necessarily finances or, or things that may cost things because it, it isn't all about money um there are other aspects such as the ambassador relationships that we have with her game too or the relationship that we should have with Andy's man club and things that we announced at the latter part of last season that some of us had to fight tooth and nail to get mm. the club to agree to over a year of banging their door down. As an, it, it seems like it was convenient to announce it and then nothing's happened. I know, obviously, Danny, bless her, has had a terrible, terrible time and none of that is leveled at her, obviously. As a her game two ambassador, but the club should be supporting both Danny and the female fans through running initiatives. If you've partnered with her game two, you should be doing something with it. Mm. If you've partnered with Andy's man club, you should be doing something with it. Where are the fixtures to promote Men's Mental Health Day? International Men's Mental Health Oh God, International Men's Day, 19th of November. What's the best that the club do a single thing for a primarily male fan base? They won't do it. Everyone knows they weren't going to do anything. And it's like, I know, I, you know I, I, that isn't related to the business side of things, but a business person should know that there are things that you can do to get things done for free. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're somebody who people have warm, fuzzy feelings about, they will help you, especially mm-hmm. at a club that is or should be of community value and you know it kind of gets to a bigger conversation about what a football club means to community people in Torquay do not give a shit about Torquay United even though outside of the few thousand of us who who like football and go to support the club there is no part of that club that is in the community as something that is a force for good and, and for change in the local area what you see with football clubs of our I won't say level because we are diminished, but of our stature is that they reach out to Grimsby is a good example. You know, Grimsby got a new owner three or four years ago. Okay, put some money in, but he reached out to various food banks is a great example. He reached out to food banks in Grimsby and he was able to help them and, you know, to kind of get Grimsby football club involved in food banks. And that makes them valuable to the community. Um, And, you know, we are not Manchester United. We're not Liverpool. We're not there to make billions of pounds every year. What a team like Talk United should be for is to serve the community. Yes, as a focus of football excellence would be fun, but clubs at this level should be for the community. They should be run for the benefit of all, not necessarily those who like football only. Um, and it wouldn't be different. I don't have. 20 million quid lying around if i did i would have bought that club already i would have told osborne to go do one and i would have made that place a happy place to go to even if the football's not very good you know you make you feel welcome when you walk in oh thanks for coming to support our little yellow club have a nice time if you come during the week when there's no football maybe the pints will be a little bit reduced and just get the place to be a community hub and it's incredibly, and again, I'm I'm afar, so you know I, I am somewhat divorced from the well, of divorce shocker. Um, is <laughs> is yeah. I am far away from from the whole thing, but when you engender that kind of goodwill, it'll last way longer than whichever muppet is in charge. Um, 
And, you know, you, you hear a lot of owners, the good owners say, I'm not the owner of the club, I'm the custodian. Clark Osborne yeah. and his minions are the custodians of the club because it will be around in some form long after he's gone, long after we yeah. stop spitting on the ground when we say his name. And I think it's, I don't want to be overdramatic, but it's borderline criminal the way that he's running it because it's disrespectful to the thousands of people who've cared about this club over the years. And it's disrespectful to one of the very few things in Torbay that could be of value, you know, apolitical. Um, it could be of immense value to the area and he makes no effort to do it. You only have to look up the A38 to see how it can be done if it's done right. Yeah, that is what, to have that model 20 miles up the road. Yeah, they get lucky. Yeah, without that Man United tie in 1999 or 2003, whenever it was, they'd have gone and under. They'd have been bust. They'd have been X to AFC now playing against Brits and Villa every week. But the fact is they got that luck and they ran with it. And they ran with it and ran with it and ran with it and ran with it. And, with it. and my God, aren't they doing seek to give extra City credit? Because I'm of that generation where I don't give a toss about Plymouth. I don't like Exeter. But Exeter City, the football club, forget it. Exeter City, the business, really is the business. That it's is incredible. absolute <laughs> blueprint how small, locally focused clubs should run. I don't want to hear about, oh, but they get big attendances. When I started turning up at Torquay, my first season was League One under Leroy. You could not move. If you got to where I stand now on the pot, up the family stand end, if you got there any later than about 22, forget it. You weren't getting in. I've stood on the yellow painted steps. I've gone up the other end because I got there at 10 2. I couldn't get in. I have stood wedged like um, Mrs. Doubtfire's impression of a hot dog on the pop side in plain mama. Among That's five and a half thousand people. <laughs> yeah. I've seen us, you know, the thing of, because um, it was under Bates and the calls, is there an electrician in the ground? Please make yourself known to a steward. I've been stood next to an electrician who tried to make himself known, but he couldn't get his arm up. Because <laughs> we were all wedged in, like prisoners on a tramp steamer. It's ridiculous. So there are, or there certainly could be, Five and a half or six thousand people to fill plain more every week if we were in League One. And we were rubbish in League One as well. Wow, rubbish. I mean, we went down. We were unlucky, really, to go down. We were hysterically unlucky with 38 goalkeepers in 38 games. And we won't progress. Incidentally, that was the season that Exeter fans were showing up rattling boxes, rattling buckets to get money. I remember chucking in three or four quid because they just had no money. Um, and I think. Yes, they've got the luck with the Man United draw. Yes, Scott Hiley, not Meg Ronaldo. Yes, everyone knows this. Um, but the work they've done since is an absolute model. And in some ways, I think the situation with us could get worse before it gets better. If it gets worse, then that's when the trust have to step in and say, look, you know, yeah. we have a plan to get to a point. Exeter will help us. Like Exeter, I know there's a rivalry. There isn't really because they're three divisions, four divisions above us, how many it is. Not three. Um, it's not a football rivalry, but they will help. They, they will absolutely send some of their trust representatives down and say, hey, this is how you want to organise a trust. This is how you set up a direct debit so that you can try and get 20 quid a month out of a thousand people. 
that's 20 grand a, a month if you can do that now yeah. i don't know what everyone's financial situation is i don't really know what exeter costs but 20 grand a month will go a long way to making the club viable well that um, would give us a bigger either not an overall budget but the um thinking back to the chat we had with the gentleman from oh hunger for um, chris yeah um yeah. chris they had what's his playing budget 180 grand a year smallest playing budget in the division below let alone the division that we're in now Hundred eighty thousand in the year, Ten, twenty quid a month from thousand people every month. Which, you know, is an amount of money, but it isn't. It's not like I'm asking a thousand people for a thousand pound a month. That's two hundred forty grand. So there's your hundred eighty thousand pound playing budget plus sixty thousand to run the club, and then you've got to make a few quid on top of that. You know, selling beers and selling tickets, hot dogs, and whatever else. But try, try that. And if it comes to it, and we do end up, I mean, I kind of hope it doesn't, but we're almost at the point now where maybe it would genuinely be a better plan. Let Osborne have whatever shell is left of the existing club and just be AFC Torquay. If we didn't, if whoever ran AFC Torquay didn't make their first call, the board at Exeter and go, right, we want to just be you, but smaller and in blue and yellow. Yeah. Help us do that. As you say, there's no way that uh, Tag, is it? Jonathan yeah, Julian Tag. He will absolutely. Yeah. There's absolutely no way he says, no, piss, piss off, fish face, I'm not helping you. No. Of course, the first thing you do is go, right, you're paying for his time, but okay, this, this is what you want to do. This is how you do it. And you just restart talking in the mold of off pitch Exeter City and if you have to spend 10 years doing an FC United at Manchester and playing you know the dog and duck and bricks and villa and Newton Abbott Spurs and that well that's pretty much where we're headed now under Osborne's stewardship so yeah. difference to make um should we have a brief chat about Western Ooh, oh yeah, yeah. I once upon a time in America which do you like Oh, sorry, not Westerns. Right. I'd have gone with the hotels. I'd have been like, well, I'm more of a Marriott man myself. But... That's Westin. No. What's your best Western for us to court in Altrincham? I, I can only apologise, listeners. Looking at us. Supermare. Oh, I see. Yes, Western on the sea. Because hashtag talking is massive. It's all we Western are massive. Is massive. Yeah, we're massive. Bingate is massive. Um, Bingate not perpetrated by uh, anyone who's ever appeared on this podcast, obviously. Um, yeah, Tuesday night should be a, I say, a decent game. Where are they in the league? Do we know? Got any idea? Um, I, I don't because I'm unprofessional. Uh, you are. They are, wait for it, Western Supermare are, oh, why can you never find the club you want? 17th. 17th, they've played the same number of games we have, but unlike us, they've only got 14 points. Uh, they've got a minus four goal difference. And their recent results have been a 3-0 loss to Maidenhead, a 3-0 loss to Chelmsford, a 1-0 win over Farnborough, a 1-0 win over 10-man Truro, 
2-0 win over Truro in the cup. Uh, and actually, their results prior to that have been dog shit. So they lost, they drew with Hampton Richmond, lost to Yeovil, lost to Eastbourne, drew with Hemel, lost to Farnborough, and lost to Slough. And it looks like they get a lot of men sent off. They're dismissals in three consecutive games earlier in the season. So maybe that's not a lot. I don't know. But either way, they ain't very good. Yeah. There you go. That's your week. That's your round up done. We've, we've sold out 800 tickets. I don't know why they've only given us 800. Um, maybe because last time we were there, there were some rabble rousers. It was, them. yes. Rabble was roused. Yeah. Significant rabble was roused. Um, but it's like Kate's all part of the fun. It's Tuesday nights under the lights. And if they've sold an extra 400 tickets at whatever they are, 15 quid a piece, do they want six grand or not? Just hide your bins, hide your wife. Yeah, hide your bins, hide your wife, hide, hide your wife in a bin. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's. I'll get to watch it at least. That's the good news. Yes. That's true. Yeah, it's on the streaming. So Tuesday games are the best. I love Tuesday games. I can watch them, except I have a work meeting that finishes at three o'clock, and so I found from experience, you get to half past two, and I'm like, let's hurry it along, guys. I've got work <laughs> to do. <laughs> Tarry it along. I'm a busy and important man. Yeah. So what is the... Um, oh, you know what else we could bring back if we owned the club? Friday night football. I like Move Saturday games forward to 8 o'clock on Friday. They were so good. We bought those back briefly a few years ago. They were yeah. so good. Yeah, but I mean, if you're an away fan, you're not happy about it, are you? <laughs> you know, if you're okay, having to come from Avely on a Friday night, mind you, you're probably not coming on a Saturday either because you're fucking Avely. We did, I think Barnet moved out an away game in revenge. I think we arranged Barnet at Flamecourt on a Friday. So they moved the their home game to the Friday. We had to drive to fucking London on the Friday. It was fun. Yeah, but then of course you can stream the games, can't you? If they're on, if they're outside the Saturday blackout. So um, we know you're listening to our Cosborne and George Edwards, because obviously you would, if you're avid listeners. Move some games to Friday nights. That will make you popular. People love Friday night football. Um, it's not Friday; it's Tuesday. Good luck if you go in. Have a lovely time. You're one of the lucky eight hundred. Bring back three points for him. Yeah. That'd be nice. It would be nice to have a do a podcast on Wednesday or Thursday where we've just won two games in a row and we're like sitting second or something. Wouldn't that be fun? Do you remember when we used to do podcasts and the team were pretty good and we'd be like, well, we beat Maidenhead and it was easy. Remember those times? They were fun. I've got a vague recollection. I don't think I was on many of those. Isn't that a shame? I should have put myself forward for more, shouldn't I? Yeah. Now we have the... More money when interest rates are low, and I should have done more podcasts when talking good. Regrets, I've had a few. Has anybody got any other business? Um, I don't have any other business except that I really hope we get three points tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to predict that we beat Welling 5 1 because one day I'll get one of these right almost by accident, and then we'll beat Western. 2-0. Okay, uh, I think we will 
win tomorrow 3-2, but I reckon we'll concede first. And... Oh, the inverse Hemel. Yeah. Right. And um, I reckon off the excitement of that, it's going to be a drab 1-0 to Torquay at Western. Sorry, everyone, if you go, I've really sold that for you. Good day out. You're going to lose both games and Johnson's going to get sacked. Johnson's never going to get sacked. Trying to end on a positive note. Oh, sorry. We're going to win both and Johnson's going to get. He's never getting sacked. Prince Andrew has got more chance of getting the sack from his job. Are we allowed to talk about Prince Andrew? We can talk about what we like as our podcast. I think it was. First Amendment. I think we promised him it'd be a royalty-free zone. Yeah, royalty certainly is a royalty. <laughs> With my singing, it'll be a royalty-free zone. Won't be paying the estate of Frank Sinatra any money, that's for sure. Um, seriously, what do I think? Two rubbish sides. We, we're half decent. We've just been on a bad run of... A bit of bad luck, a bit of bad run of the, gr- run of the green, run of the ball, whatever. I don't even think we should have lost to Hem Hempstead, really. It was just stupid. Yeah, I think we'll win both games. I think we're going to back three nil wins. Wow! I absolutely guarantee that Saturday's opponents are going to be a goal up after about thirty-five seconds, aren't they? To blow that completely out of the water. Back to back three nil wins. We're we're going top. Yay! Well, I'm glad that we've agreed that everything is right with Talk United, and we can just continue towards a a golden future. Yes, we can. Yeah. Very in the sand. Everything will work out actually. Literally nothing is wrong. Congratulations, yeah. everybody, on getting everything right from start to now. <laughs> I think that's it then. That is it. Right. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. That's all right. Then we'll have somebody else on for you all next week. Bye.